Hi everyone, I'm Sarah, and this is Dead Time Stories. Normally, a weekly podcast where Stephanie and I would come to you and bring you spooky stories, eerie stories, creepy stories, culty stories, whatever we want to talk about, because it's our show and not yours. It's just not the same without her harmony. But it's just me right now because I know Stephanie and I said we were going to bring you one more regular episode this month before we flash back to some of our favorite Guestoberfest episodes. But Stephanie and I are just too damn excited to get Guestoberfest started. So we're getting this countdown started a week early. <laughs> So as of today, Thursday, September 15th, we are officially 15, 16, depending on if you count today, days away from October, which means we are at least 15 or 16, don't ask me to do the math, days away from g g g g g g guestoberfest Are you ready? I hope you're ready. We're ready. So in honor of Guestoberfest, we're going to bring you for the next three weeks our favorite past Guestoberfest episodes. And what better way to recap Guestoberfest than to start back at the beginning? This week's episode is Guestoberfest number one, OG, numero uno, with one of our very close and good friends, Josh Hitchens. Now, Josh is a local theater artist in the Philadelphia area. He writes, he performs, he directs, and right now he's also the artistic, I believe, director is the title, over at Allen's Lane Art Center. We love Josh Hitchens. He is a master at all things spooky, and this episode is just further proof of it. If you like this work by Josh, he is also a writer, an author, and he has published two books, The Haunted History of Delaware, and Josh's brand new book, The Haunted History of Philadelphia, reaches shelves and is out for purchase on September 19th. I know I'm getting my copy. Are you getting yours? In the meantime, tune in. Here's our first episode ever of Guestoberfest. Take a listen. Guestoberfest. Hello, hello. I'm at a place called Vertigo. Spooky, spooky, spooky. We're not talking about you two in this episode. We'll bring bring your volume up a little bit. Hello! Don't. Oh my God. (laughs) Look what you did. Yeah, Yeah, you're there. Okay. (laughs) 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 Had to see the bars, that's all. (laughs) Thank you, Eric. Thank you. Girl. Hey everybody. <laughs> I'm Stephanie. And I'm Sarah. And this is Dead Time Stories. Uh, welcome to our show, our first episode in October. I'm just going to dive right into it. We're trying to do something real special for the month of October and we want to have guests every week. So far we're, we're 
pretty Girl, booked up. I'm almost. like, want to? We are. We are. Having we are. We're having week. guests. We're calling it Guesttober. Guesttoberfest. And you know, with hopefully the further success of our show uh, in years to come, we will do Guesttober every October. So that's that's what we're planning. But today we are so excited to finally have a guest on who we've been trying to hook in our claws for quite some time now. That's an understatement. Um, We are so excited to have Josh Hitchens with us today, everybody. Say hello, Josh. Hello, everyone. (laughs) Josh is here. Uh, Not to... I want to let Josh talk about himself, but to tell everybody a little bit about Josh, um, he is an incredible theater director here in Philadelphia, but he does so much more than just direct. We met doing Hedwig, but I was very aware of Josh before working with him, so it was a great experience. But he tends to work with some pretty spooky material. He also hosts ghost tours here around Philadelphia. And he has his own show that he's written uh, that he's going to read some excerpts from today that we are so ecstatic. Me and Sarah saw the show. So we talked about it before. Yeah, when, when we, we saw it when it was we in French. Um, so we're really excited to have him on. Um, Josh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so hi, everybody. I am Josh Hitchens. As Stephanie said, I am a Philadelphia-based theater director, actor, and playwright. Uh, and primarily, although not exclusively, uh, <laughs> do work that is in the horror genre. It's always been the work that I've gravitated towards and what's fascinated me ever since I was a child. I have uh, adapted and performed a few uh, horror one-man shows of classic works, including Stoker's Dracula, uh, Frankenstein, The Mask of the Red Death, and Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Uh, And I also wrote and have performed a one-man show called The Confession of Jeffrey Dahmer, which is 90% actually uh, Jeff Dahmer's words. And I have done that show in Philadelphia and at the New Jersey Fringe Festival and will hopefully be doing it for the New York Fringe Festival next year. That's the goal. Sarah's jaws dropped. Uh, I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> I was like, I had no idea about any of this the first time I'm hearing about oh, it. Yeah. Oh, My yeah. jaws Josh dropped. I had no bomb. idea that that... Stop. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I, yeah, I'm a kind of Dahmer expert, I suppose. But the newest uh, solo piece that I've worked on is different from everything else I've written so far in that it is all completely autobiographical. It's not me playing a character or multiple characters in the case of some of the adaptations I've done. Uh, It's all stories of uh, paranormal and experiences that I had as a child and throughout my life and it the show is called very simply ghost stories and I did it for the first time on the solo festival this past June which is when Stephanie and Sarah saw it and then I did it and then I did it in August at the New Jersey Fringe Festival and had a very successful time of it there. Uh, and I'm going to be doing it again on Halloween night in, at the Hill Physic House in Old City, which is actually a haunted house. Uh, so I'm excited <laughs> about that. Doing this show and performing is probably the scariest thing that I've ever done personally because it's, you know, there's no character to hide behind. It's just me and talking about things that I didn't talk about for much of my life. But it, you know, I felt it was time to really get those stories out there and talk about what 
they've meant to me and how they've affected me throughout time. So, yeah, that's that is ghost stories. We're so excited. And when Sarah and I saw this before, um, so it was done like in candlelight. It was very, oh my God, it was, you guys, it's so cool. Um, but we are sitting together and then um, your boyfriend's Jacob, right? Yes. Jacob uh, sat on the other side of me and like we all watched it together. It was so good. But me and Sarah were like, like holding hands, like squeezing, like clutching we and really clutching. tight. I saw, right? yeah. <laughs> clutching <laughs> hands. And mm-hmm. we were and we were trying so hard not to like make noises. And I remember telling you that and you're like, No, I, I love when people are mm-hmm. like so moved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Great, get ready for it tonight. Right? And we're like, Yeah, but we didn't want to like disrupt like disrupt the show for other people and like but we're that's what we do when we're on the show and we had talked about it even then where we're like, We gotta have you on so we can you know, react appropriately, but also like <laughs> ask questions and like yeah. really get into it. So we're we're so excited. So yeah, without further ado, I'm gonna hand it over to you, Josh. Real fast, um, y'all ready to talk about some ghosts? <laughs> <laughs> some ghosts. Yeah. Y'all need These to get ready. Some real fucking dead time <laughs> stories. So Buckle yeah, up. ladies and gentlemen, Josh Hitchens, ghost stories. So I tell ghost stories for a living, and I'm very good at it. Once I was telling a ghost story and a 15-year-old girl started hyperventilating and saying, it's too much, it's too much, and she walked away from the group and then she threw up. It's one of the best moments of my life. I've been doing the ghost tour Philadelphia now for 11 years and counting, and it's my dream job. I've always loved ghost stories, especially the true ones. Kind of like a walking, talking, spooky encyclopedia. And on my ghost tour, people always ask me the same questions. Do you believe in ghosts? Yes. Have you ever seen a ghost? Many, many times. How do you know that ghosts are real? Because I grew up in a haunted house. That's the first story that I'm going to tell you. This is the tale of the open door. I can't help but believe in the supernatural. I've lived with it all my life. And it took me many years to realize what I'd been seeing, that it had a name. Ghost, noun, an apparition of a dead person that is believed to appear or become manifest to a living person. And it took me many years to realize that there was a word for what was wrong with the house where I grew up. Haunted. Adjective. A place frequented by a ghost. Secondary definition. Having or showing signs of mental anguish or torment. For most of my life, I never told anyone about what happened to me in the house where I grew up. And if I did talk about it, I never, ever told them all of it. Until now. It started when I was very young, about five years old. Some of my earliest memories are of being terrified. Terrified because when I lay in my bed at night, the covers pulled up to my chin. My hands would clench into fists and I would squeeze my eyes shut because I knew there was a man hiding inside my closet. I would lay there frozen in the dark 
And I thought that maybe if I didn't move at all, he wouldn't find me that night. Dread. Verb. To anticipate with intense apprehension, to fear greatly, that is the word to describe how I felt. Absolute dread. Because when I was just about to fall asleep, I would hear the doorknob slowly turn. And I would open my eyes and watch it turn because not seeing it is even worse. I would watch as the closet door would slowly, very slowly creak open. I don't like it. I don't like it. Don't like it. <laughs> and then nothing. There was nothing in the closet. Nothing but blackness. There was no man there at all. And I wouldn't dare to move or even breathe. And then the man would step out of the darkness, oh, out of the closet, and into my room. He reminded me of my uncle who had died the year before. He had a heart attack and dropped dead in the middle of a field. The man who was in my closet wore a plaid shirt and denim overalls that were covered with mud or something worse. He had gray hair, and he wore a hat on his head. His face was white and round like the full moon, and his eyes were black, empty sockets gouged out holes. He had a bandage on where his nose should have been. He said he had just cut it off and the blood was seeping through the bandage down onto his mustache and into his mouth. And when he smiled at me, I could see the blood in his teeth. He wore brown leather gloves and he knew my name. Joshi. It's time for us to play again. No, it's not. And he would walk towards my bed, and he would start laughing a quiet, insane, hysterical giggle, and I wanted to scream, but I couldn't make a sound. Joshy. 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 And I would think of the prayer done in needlepoint that hung above my bed. Now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. So I knew that there wasn't anyone coming to save me. And then he would get onto my bed and he would sit on my chest so I couldn't breathe. And the last thing I would see before I blacked out would be his face. The black holes where his eyes should have been. His open mouth and his blood and spit drip, drip, dripping into my mouth while I tried so hard to scream. 
the disfigured man who was in my closet, who knew my name, bore a very striking resemblance to Zeke the Plumber. Zeke the Plumber is a very disturbing-looking ghost character that appeared in an episode of the show Salute Your Shorts, which aired on Nickelodeon in the early 1990s. While you're listening to this, open another tab and Google Zeke the Plumber and then imagine a five-year-old seeing that shit. It explains a lot about me. So, it's all in my imagination, right? But sometimes when I woke up in the morning, my closet door would be wide open. There's that one. <laughs> That's it. We're done. Episode. I gotta go home. I need to go home. I need a break. <laughs> I was like, "How y'all feeling?" <laughs> so that how was are it. you feeling, Stephanie? I'm a. I'm. You know, I'm shook. <laughs> I am <Me> shook. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm like, oh, it's so that good. got me so hard the first time I heard it too. Right? I was like, it's still. I was yeah, like, that was, was still the one that, I'm like, oh my god. I, was like, I mean, I think fuck. it's it's a very universal thing that I think a lot of children have a fear of or have some kind some kind of memory of like you know you go you go to bed when you're a kid and you're alone in your room and like you turn out the light and maybe there's a night light but that's never enough um and you just feel that there's something else there you know I think that's I think that's why it's uh, that story affects so many people's because I think a lot of us have had, you know, childhood night terrors like that. I think there's so many other like <laughs> trying not to like put more into it than is there. Like it's just so good on so many levels where like even even as an adult, like the fear of like someone being in your home, like mm-hmm. someone being in your closet, mm-hmm. like that's still very real and like as a I feel like as a lady especially mm. like just the very idea um, and like as a child like there's so many like weird creepy things about it like the person waiting in your bedroom and uh, it's just everything about it is so terrifying <laughs> um, and like not to mention the fact that it was a you know a dude who cut his nose off and had Van blood Gogh in style. his teeth and his yeah. eyeballs gouged out and yeah and like, in- this is fine yeah, I still have a reason to laugh. <laughs> and if you unfor- you can't watch the whole Salute Your Shorts ep- episode online, um, but you can find like a lot of clips of the Zeke the Plumber episode. And one of the other things about him is that like he has a plunger that he like uses to like plunge out the children's brains. Oh it's my like God. so disturbing on so many levels. Um, still, and yeah, it still creeps me out. It still creeps oh me gosh. out today. Yeah. So, uh, we're going to take just a moment. Take a second. I don't know about you guys, but we need a water break. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we need to take a second to c- catch our breath. Um, in the meantime, we're going to play a quick promo for you from our good friend, Greg, who is like, not just a fan of the show. Like Greg's a real friend of mine. Like we're, roommates in college he's my good buddy um and he was living in new york and he has recently moved to la his podcast was preview previously gotham city stories where he talked to people about life in new york uh now he's in la so he has socal stories where he talks to people Mm. about their life in la so take a listen conversations with friends from the other side of the city of angels 
this is SoCal Stories. My Jeep and just put guitars, mm-hmm. amps, a TV, a dad gave me a bottle of whiskey. 30-minute conversations with people who are interesting and live in Los Angeles. Isn't it just amazing how it's like everything that, you know, just everything that humanity has ever accomplished has just been on that tiny, tiny planet. Subscribe now wherever you get quality podcasts. So we're moving on. Um, I love you, Greg, but like we got to get back to these stories (laughs) because they're incredible. And Josh has two more for us. So Mm -hmm. here we go. Take it away, Josh. Strap in. This is the tale of the things on the stairs. The things in my house were black, dark shadows of people. Like a full-body silhouette portrait made out of black construction paper that could move and disappear. There's a documentary about sleep paralysis called The Nightmare. And when I watched it, there were parts of it I actually had to look away from because it terrified me because the images they were showing were exactly like the things that I see. They're often called shadow people. Some people refer to them as a black mass. A lot of people see them, so I know at least that I'm not alone. And I'm willing to bet there are some people out there listening who know exactly what I'm talking about. Thing is, I don't have sleep paralysis. I don't see them when I'm asleep. I see them in the daytime when I'm awake. That's how it was in the house where I grew up. I grew up in Sussex County, Delaware, also known as Slower Lower Delaware, and that's pretty accurate. (laughs) I did not grow up in a creepy old mansion as much as I wish that were true. I grew up in a new house that my parents built, a house not any different from any other house on the road. So it couldn't have been about the house itself. The things that were there felt older, like they'd been on the land a long time before my family came. The thing you have to realize about southern Delaware is that it is flat. There's almost no hills. So you can see the sky forever, and at night you can see all the stars. It can be beautiful, but at night, It's also so quiet, and you wonder what could be going on in the woods, in the things around you. The house where I grew up, in the beginning we only lived on the first floor. There was a living room, a dining room, a kitchen, a bathroom, and two bedrooms. One bedroom was for my mom and dad. The other was for my sister and I. And the second floor was unfinished. It was the attic. And it was the staircase leading up to the second floor where I felt them first. I would often go up to the attic to play. And whenever you walked up or down the stairs, you could feel that there was something there 
behind you. I kept some of my toys up in the attic, and at night while I slept in my bedroom, I would hear something moving up in the attic. Sound of something moving across dusty wooden floorboards. And I'd go up to the attic the next day, and everything would be different. Boxes would be moved across the room, stacked in strange configurations that didn't make any sense, and my toys would be thrown across the attic like someone had physically picked them up and thrown them. I would always go up the stairs at least two at a time, because then whatever it was would be farther away. There was also a closet that was under the staircase. It was in the same hallway as the bedrooms and the bathroom. My bedroom was all the way at the end of the hall. And the shadow people were always in the hallway, coming out in and out of the closet, even when the door was closed. Sometimes I'd come home from school and just want to go to my room, and I'd turn the corner, and in the hallway, there would be so many of them. Sometimes it looked like there were a dozen or more of them standing in the hallway, going in and out of the closet, and I'd watch as their heads would slowly turn And even though they didn't have faces, I could tell that they were looking at me, seeing me. And I'd run out of the house and stay outside until my mom told me to come in for dinner. In the closet, it was always cold. If you left the door open for a minute or two, it felt like you were in the inside of an air conditioner. That's what it felt like. When I was about 12 years old, my mom and dad decided to finish the upstairs. And they converted it into two bedrooms and a bathroom. My mom and dad moved into one bedroom at the end of the hall upstairs, and I moved into the other. I was a little nervous about living up in the attic, but I was also excited that I'd have my own room for the first time. And was remodeled so it wasn't like it was the dark and dusty attic anymore. I still felt them behind me every time I went up the stairs. And I dreaded most the moment of turning on the light to the stairs because sometimes when I turned on the light, one of them would be there standing at the top of the staircase looking down at me. And sometimes I'd turn on the light and I wouldn't see anything there and that was almost worse because you could still feel that there was something there, something that I had to walk past to get to my room. I started locking my door every night when I went to sleep. I thought that maybe if I locked my door, they wouldn't come in at night. And for a while, it worked. But then one night, I woke up around 3 o'clock in the morning because something was knocking on my door. 
Knocking isn't quite the right word to describe it. It's too precise of an action. It sounded like something was loosely swinging their fist as hard as they could into the center of my door. Persistently. Patiently. It sounded like they were going to break through my door. Over and over and over and I would lay in my bed too scared to move. And my mom and dad had to hear it. They were right at the end of the hall, ten feet away. They had to hear it. But they never said a word. When I left home to go to college, I was relieved. The first Christmas break I came home, I was talking to my sister, staying up late, and I decided to tell her about the things that I had always seen in the hallway, the things on the stairs. And my sister listened to me very patiently, and I finished, and she said, Oh my God, you see them too. We'd lived in the house our whole lives, and we'd never talked about it. When my sister left for college, she moved out for good, too. My mom and dad got empty nest syndrome, so they adopted two red toy poodles. (laughs) And the dogs would always bark at the staircase at night. One time, my sister and I were both home visiting our parents, and we were in the living room with our mom, and the dogs were barking at the stairs, and my mom finally snapped, and she said, I can't wait to get out of this house. No more shadows, no more dogs barking at the things on the stairs. And then she stopped because she realized what she'd said. And my sister and I looked at each other, because our mom had finally admitted it, that she knew there was something wrong in the house. The next time I visited home, I brought up that statement to my mom, repeated what she had said, and she denied it ever happened. But she said something to me that I remembered ever since. She looked at me and she said, Josh, the things you think are ghosts are really demons trying to trick you. Not long after that, my parents decided to sell the house and move away. I visited the house one last time, going through all the old rooms. All the furniture, everything had been moved out. Even the carpet had been pulled up. The house was completely empty of everything that our family used to be. And as I walked through the house, I didn't see them. I didn't feel them. Nothing. I was standing by the front door about to leave. And then I heard a bang coming from upstairs, from what had used to be my bedroom door. 
and I could feel them standing behind me on the staircase, looking at me, seeing me. And I opened the front door and closed it behind me and didn't look back. It's been years now and the house is still for sale. Nobody wants to move in. Even though it doesn't look like a haunted house. Even though it looks like every other house on the road. But it's not. And you can feel it's not. And so whatever is inside it is alone. That's that one. <laughs> Did you ever look into the history behind the house? Uh, well, you said they built it, right? But yeah, like, my, par- my parents built it. Um, and I tried looking, at one point, I tried looking into... Uh, the land and what had been there. And I was never able to really find anything concrete. Um, but that area of Southern Delaware, um, was where a lot of Iroquois native tribes used to be. And I, I always kind of got the sense that maybe it was some, it was something to do with them. Like it felt like, like I said, like something that had been with the land for a very long time, that it wasn't, didn't have anything to do with the house. It, I think it always felt like it was about the land, that yeah. they had always been there. Yeah. <laughs> do you, I have other questions. Yeah, go for it. Do you feel like they showed themselves, once you started talking to your sister, and obviously your mom doesn't want to talk about it at all, do you feel like they showed themselves more to you than anyone else in your family, or do you think your sister experienced the same? I don't. The sense that I got is that my sister would see, would sometimes see them, but not to the degree that I did. I mean, I've always been very sensitive to that kind of thing and like still do like see see things you know in a lot of places I go in places I've worked I work in a lot of you know we're doing the ghost tour and I work in a lot of historic sites as well you know in places with a lot of where there's a lot of past history there um so it's something that happens to me quite a lot and almost always when I see a spirit it's like that. It's like the sh- a, sh- a dark, shadowy figure of a person. The times when I, I've only seen like a full body apparition that, you know, looked like a real, real human being, I think twice in my life. Um, not in my house, but other, other places. Yeah. Who have you seen? The first time I saw an apparition that wasn't, you know, in my house was actually when I was, I think about eight years old. Uh, and we took a school field trip to Fort Delaware, which you should totally do an episode. Um, (laughs) We'll add it to the list. Fort Delaware, uh, for the folks who may not know is a civil war fort that is on an Island 
like sort of off the coast of Delaware City. You have to take a ferry to get to it. Um, and it's where a lot, a huge amount of the Confederate prisoners from Gettysburg were actually taken. And there was rampant disease. Their mortality rates there were very, very high. So there's reason for it to be haunted. There's lots of stories about it. But my experience was I was walking around the casemates, which looks like a dungeon. Um, and they did keep, because of overflow, they did keep Confederate prisoners down there. And it's dark and creepy. And I remember I had gotten separated from the group. And I was all by myself. And it it's... That area, Fort Delaware, reminded me a lot of Eastern State Penitentiary in a way because, like, you they have doors to the rooms or cells, and the doors are, like, rusted shut. Like, you can't get in them. But, like, they have little windows that you can look inside. And I was just, like, walking down the hall thinking, like, oh, my God, I'm going to get in trouble because I'm not with the group. And I was just looking through this into the cells, and then I passed one cell and looked through the window, and there were two men sitting at a table in the cell and i saw like they were they were people um one was one man was wearing a dark blue union uniform and had a cap on and he had a very bushy brown beard and sitting opposite him was another man who was in a confederate uniform that was was basically on rags at that point like like super detailed like just they were people and they they were talking and i couldn't hear what they were saying but they've been talking and they both turned and they looked at me Mm. and i just yeah Uh, and i just got this sensation like oh i'm not supposed to be here like you know like something is having that i'm not supposed to be seeing so i like moved on and then found the group you know and i didn't think much i didn't really think anything of it at the time because you know they have reenactors all over the fort that are in costume you know and i was like oh it's just reenactors because like that's what they look like they they were real people and you know, I found the group. We continued with the tour, and I asked one of the do- one of the tour tour guides about, you know, like why do you have, you know, how come you have people like working working down in the dungeons, as I call them, uh, even though that's not technically what they were. And he looked at me. He's like, "Would I don't know what you're talking there. about? <laughs> yeah, he's like we we don't put people down there." And I told him what I'd seen. He's like, "Yeah, no, there's no access to those rooms. You can't you can't open the doors like." there weren't there aren't people down there and that's when i real realized that i had seen ghosts you got a twofer too yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so you, yeah i was gonna say you lit up so when you i said lit wasn't up supposed to be there because i lit up because that's just like mary angela's story of her childhood home mm. when her aunt walked in right and the confederate the, the group, party that they, that's what they call had, them she said they were having a meeting and they were all sitting at a long table huh. and she saw all these confederate soldiers sitting at a table and she and, walked in and they, and they all and looked turned at her. and looked at her and she and got she the was, feeling of like i'm not supposed to and be she was here. just like, she's like she was i'm like, sorry i was just leaving I'm so sorry. And she just I'm turned around and walked back out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, as soon as you started saying that, you were like, they turned around and they looked at me and I had this feeling of I'm not supposed I'm to be here. I'm like, that's just mm. like, like the, the story party. that Mary huh. Angela told us. Yeah. So that's why I was like, oh, mm. oh my gosh, mm. that's really simple. But yeah, you like, the way you I did, were, I literally, like, I was just like, <gasps> and I'm like, I don't want to interrupt. I was like, I'm going to wait till the end. I'm going to wait till the end. <laughs> but I don't want to forget that I want to bring this up. Yeah. But yeah, we called them the party. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was the there they, was like, they would hear a party. Right. Mm. But she said she walked in mm. on like a meeting. A meeting they were like at a table. And they were all just yeah. sitting there and just, and just like Like, what look. are you doing here? Right. You're not supposed yeah. to be here. Well, and she's and like, I'm so sorry. The story, <laughs> right. And what I learned, I I took this away from your story too, but I had taken this away from everything that <laughs> the stories of Mary Angela's. And I'm like, that's what people get wrong in the movies. They're like, I'm going to get this ghost out of my house. And they try and fight it. And that's where all the shit comes in. Every one of Mary Angela's stories is like, we saw it. And we were like, no, thank you. And we passed like, Sorry, excuse me. Yeah. And, and never had I'm any problems. Going on my way. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the key is you can't yes. like you can't be like, no, this is my space. You need to get out because they'll be mm-hmm. like, oh, whose is it? I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. No, let me show like, you. I'm, we were here first. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. First. Yeah. 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 All righty. And uh, so with that, let's take it into for the last the one? last one. I think my underwear is still clean. <laughs> <laughs> so I do a lot of ghost tours for school groups. So I get to give nightmares to children of all ages. And sometimes on my ghost tours, there will be one kid, the one kid who will always want to walk right beside me. And while they walk, they'll tell me about the things that they've experienced or stories that they've read, and they'll ask me about mine. And I see myself at that age, future ghost storytellers of America. And sometimes the kids are creepier than I am. The creepiest thing a kid has ever told me on my ghost tour was, some of my best friends are headless. And his parents, who were right there, turned and looked at the kid very troubled and were like, just in your imagination, right? And the kid turned to his parents and said, no, they're real. I see them in my bedroom at night. Sometimes the more annoying kids on the ghost tour as we're walking from place to place will say, when we get back to the hotel room, we're going to break out the Ouija board. And then I will stop walking and I will turn to that child and I will tell them a very abbreviated version of the story that I'm about to tell you now. This is the tale of the seven devils. I know what possession feels like. I will back that up a bit. In high school, my sister and I had a best friend named Sarah. Sarah was a lot like us. She was a theater kid who was also interested in the occult and the paranormal. One weekend when I was 17 years old, my sister and I stayed over at Sarah's house. And we waited until it was almost midnight. And in Sarah's room... We burned incense and we lit a circle of candles. And the three of us sat inside the circle and held hands. And a Ouija board was in the center of the circle. Midnight came. And we tried to talk to the dead. Now, all of us had tried to use a Ouija board before. And I think like most people nothing had ever really happened. Or if it did, you could tell that someone was obviously moving the planchette. So it didn't really work. That night, for the first and only time in my experience, it worked. 
We each had a spirit that we wanted to summon. Sarah went first. She decided she wanted to call on the spirit of Jonathan Larson, who is better known as the gentleman who wrote the musical Rent. Please forgive us, we were young. (laughs) The planchette moved to the word, hello. And it moved incredibly fast, not slow like you always see it in the movies and on TV. No, it wasn't like that. It was swift, direct. It moved so fast that if one of us had been the person to do it, you would have seen the person's fingers flex, but that's not what happened. Sarah had a few questions for the spirit of Jonathan Larson, and then it was my turn. And I decided I wanted to call upon the spirit of the Marquis de Sade. Because of course I did. (laughs) Some things never change. (laughs) The planchette shot over to the word, hello. And then Sarah started laughing. Only it wasn't Sarah. The laugh was not hers. It was low guttural, awful. And I remember looking at Sarah, and I saw her face completely change. I watched her chin elongate. Her eyes were blue, and I watched them turn to brown. And she kept laughing. It kept getting louder and louder. And my sister and I were begging, stop it, Sarah, stop it. And the planchette moved to the word goodbye. And then she was Sarah again. We all looked at each other. I remember I was sweating. I was scared. And then the planchette moved on its own without any of us touching it. It moved over to the word, hello. We looked at it, and I finally asked, who are you? And the planchette zigged across the board and then moved back to the word, hello. I asked, are you a ghost? And it spelled out the word, no. What are you? It spelled out the word demons. What is your name? And then the planchette moved and spelled out a name, a name that I had never seen before. I've looked it up since. It's a name that's existed for a long time. I've never said the name out loud to anyone, and I've never even written it down, and I won't hear because I don't want to give it power. I asked, how many of you are here right now? And the planchette moved. Seven. Are you going to stay with us? Yes. For how long? forever. And then I felt it try to get inside me. It was very strong. I could feel it 
moving inside my head, scanning the cells in my brain, moving throughout my body, trying to find somehow, somewhere to get inside and make itself at home. And I fought it. I remember Sarah was holding my right hand and my sister was holding my left and I was tensing every muscle in my body, every part of my mind and soul fighting to keep it out. And it was very angry that I was fighting, that I wouldn't let it in. And I started to feel like I was going to be sick. It was punishing me. I remember hearing Sarah, my sister, call my name, telling me to fight it. And then suddenly it became very cold in the room. I felt my skin shiver into goosebumps, and then all the candles blew out. And then I felt it back away from me. And the three of us sat there. And somehow, I don't know how, we managed to go to sleep that night. But I woke up in the middle of the night. I was sleeping on the floor. My sister was sleeping on the floor a few feet away. Sarah was in her bed. When I woke up at first, all I could see was darkness. But as my eyes adjusted, I could see that there were other things in the room with us. Things that were darker than the darkness. There were seven of them standing there, looking at us. They were watching me watch them. And I don't know how long I laid there, more terrified than I'd ever been. And I heard my sister whisper my name. Josh, do you see them? And I whispered, yes. And Sarah whispered from her bed, I see them too. I've been seeing them for a long time. We closed our eyes and forced ourselves to go to sleep. But you could feel they were still there. And they were with me for seven years after that night. I saw them near me all the time, at home, at school, when I was on stage, everywhere, all the time, and there were always seven of them. They were kind of like the things on the stairs at my house, but different, because they weren't ghosts when I see a spirit, I can tell that it was something that was once a human being that lived, but these things had never been human. There was an ancient intelligence to them, and these things wanted to hurt me. I could feel it. My depression got worse over the years. I moved to Philadelphia, to go to college. I came out. I fell in love for the first time. And wherever I went, they followed me. 
One night I was sleeping over at my boyfriend's house, and we were laying in bed with the lights off about to go to sleep, and then I saw one of them standing in the corner of the room, by the closet, the shape of what looked like a man, but I knew wasn't a man. It was just the form it had chosen to take something darker than the darkness. And the more time passed, the more clearly I could see it, and I felt a rage emanating from it that I'd never heard before or felt before. Because I wasn't supposed to be happy. That wasn't part of the plan. They weren't going to leave until I was dead. And I asked my boyfriend if he could see it, and he said he could, and he could feel it. And then he ran over and turned on the light, and that was brave of him, because the light switch was right beside where it was standing, and when the light came on, there wasn't anything there. We slept with the lights on that night. After that, it got much worse. They started talking to me. They always talked the same way in low whispers this low raspy voice and they would say over and over again you are worthless you are worthless and they would tell me how easy it would be to kill myself and then it would all stop and that would be the only way they'd go away When it got so bad that the first thing I would do when I woke up in the morning was start sobbing uncontrollably, I finally went into therapy and started taking antidepressants and getting that help saved my life. For years, wherever I moved, they'd follow me. But as time went on, I started to notice them go away. First, there were seven of them. Then there were six, and then five. There were four of them, and then finally there was only one. And then one day, I realized I couldn't remember the last time I'd seen one of them. And then I looked at the date, and I realized it was seven years almost to the day. From that night at Sarah's with the Ouija board. A few years later, I moved to an apartment in West Philly, and one of our roommates was a woman named Jane, and she and I talked about this. She'd had similar experiences before, and she had them with her. I'd see them all the time, standing outside her door, standing behind her in her room. Saw them every day. But I wasn't afraid of them because I knew they weren't mine. And when she moved out, they went with her. My marriage ended almost a year ago. It was for the best for a lot of reasons, and we are both much happier people now. My ex-husband moved out of the apartment first. He took almost all the furniture with him because I didn't want it. I didn't want any reminder. Too many ghosts. The first night was December 17th, 
last year. It was the first night I was in the apartment all by myself. And I heard its voice for the first time in years. The same voice I'd heard all those years ago. The voice of a thing that had never been alive. I'd just gotten out of the shower and I was drying myself off with a towel. And I heard its voice like it was standing right behind the bathroom door. And it said loudly and clearly, almost pleading with me, Can I come in now? Let me in. I stood there for a long time. And I made the choice not to answer it. I opened the bathroom door and I was all alone. That's why you don't play with Ouija boards, children, because you don't know what you're really talking to and you don't know how long it might decide to stay. And I think about what my mom said to me all those years ago. Josh, the things you think are ghosts are really demons trying to trick you. She might have been right. And that's why I don't fuck with Ouija boards. Ah, so good. This is probably the only time in the podcast that Stephanie and I are both rendered speechless. (laughs) We have nothing to say. And guys, this isn't even the full, like, the entire ghost stories experience. There are a few more. Yeah, and the the stories I've done I I've done for y'all today. Um, I have slightly abridged, but uh, there are four more stories in in the play, uh, and they are all true. Um, I nothing is exaggerated. I have changed people's names that are not my own, uh, and changed some lo- names of locations and places. But other than that, the these are my real stories. There's a quote I think that you have in one of them, um, not one of the ones you shared today, but I feel like I heard you say mm-hmm. it, about maybe like there aren't haunted places, but there are haunted people. Yes, yeah, that that's towards the end the end of the of the piece. You know, there's it's an old it's an old saying: there are no haunted places, there are only haunted people, and that's a big part of what what this piece of work is to me like i don't even really like call call it a play because it's it's not real it's not really that it's it's right. me tell talking to you about my stories you know um but it's yeah it's a, it's about that you know and that ghost stories and horror in general you know can can be you know the things that they appear to be you know and can be real experiences as all of the ex- experiences are my own real experiences but there are also things with ghost stories and horror where they can be a manifestation of other things that have happened and they can be ways that perhaps our minds deal with trauma and you know process through that and that's a big part of what what the piece is about for me 
And that's yeah, I, that was something that I really loved and I took away from it. And that um like that quote really stuck with me because mm-hmm. I think and that's something I kind of touched on when we talked about the first story, is I think that even if someone hasn't had like paranormal experiences, mm-hmm. the like the relations between kind of like that feeling of paranormal and like the experience of trauma, like they're so it's so like insane it's so crazy how like they really are very similar and like how a person like carries those things with them. So that's one of the other reasons like I love this piece so much because this is obviously like such an incredibly like personal mm-hmm. thing that you've put together, but it resonates like so well and it's it's just so beautifully done and I, I applaud you for it. It's it's an excellent, excellent piece. Thank yes. you. Yeah, because, you know, yeah, it is, it is that idea that like we all have things that haunt us, you know, even if it's not of something paranormal and we all have things that have happened that haunt us that we can't shake, you know, those are things that, you know, we can, we have to learn to live with in one way or another. Yeah. Yeah. So that's excellent. So Josh, thanks again. Thank you so much for coming on our show. If you want to plug again, anything that you have coming up, where can people find you? Sure. Yeah. Um, Your social bank account number. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. My bank account number won't give you much. Um, Uh, so yeah, uh, as I said, I am Josh Hitchens. Um, I do have a, a horror theater company called going dark theater. Um, that is based in Philadelphia and, uh, is devoted to bringing contemporary and classic works of horror to the stage. Our mission is to scare you. Um, (laughs) and you can find going dark theater on Facebook at facebook.com slash going dark theater theater with an R E. (laughs) Um, and I also have my own personal website that has, you know, archives of the, you know, other plays I've written and directing work and acting work I've done. Uh, that is uh, my name, Josh Hitchens dot Weebly dot com W E E B L Y. Yeah. And I will be, if you want to hear more of this or, you know, see it in person, I am doing the full perfor- performance of ghost stories on Halloween night at the Hill Physic House, which is on fourth street in old city. Um, you can find information about that on the Going Dark Theater Facebook page, but it is being produced uh, in conjunction with the Philadelphia Society for the Preservation of Landmarks, and they are the ones selling the tickets. Uh, their website is philalandmarks.org, and uh, the show is at 7 p.m. on Halloween night, and it's about an hour and 15 minutes long, so you can come let me creep you out and then go to a party afterward or whatever else you want to do on your Halloween night. Or come see Buffy mm. at 10 o'clock on Halloween <laughs> Oh my God, you afterward. can do a double feature. Do a double header. Yes. So there, there's your Halloween night plan, folks. Right you're welcome. I was like, I'd love to go see it, but I have Buffy that night. And I'm like, oh, if it's at 7, I could do that and then go to Buffy. Yes. But you can too, listeners. You can catch Josh <laughs> and Ghost Stories and then come see me and Buffy on Halloween. And we'll link all this stuff in our social media show notes yeah, too. Yeah, we will. So thank you again, Josh. It was excellent having you. And it was also just good seeing you because you're delightful and awesome. 
Um, if you, of course, want to follow us, which you should, we're on Instagram, Deadtime Stories with a Z, all <laughs> one word. Uh, if you want to email us, deadtimestories at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook. And, of course, tell your friends, subscribe, rate, and review. We'd love to hear from you if you want to email us, if you want to do whatevs. And we are still giving away stickers. stickers. We're actually putting a few in the mail this week. So, again, if you leave us a review on iTunes or Facebook, just take a screenshot of it, slip it into our DMs, or shoot us an email, et cetera, et cetera. We'll be happy to send you a sticker. So, yeah. Thank you so much for listening. Look forward to more Guest-tober episodes yeah, this October. Yeah, get ready for some more Nightmare Fuel. And we're going to have some more people coming on. Oh, my God, Nightmare Fuel. We nightmare didn't even get to talk fuel. about Gritty. We'll talk about that next time. That's next yeah. week. We'll All right. Week. Thanks for listening. Bye. Dead Time Stories. I'm Sarah. And I'm Stephanie. And this was <laughs> Dead, Dead Time, Time Stories. Dead Time Stories is hosted by Sarah Heddens and Stephanie C. Ferguson. Music and editing by Eric Gershnow. Artwork by Rennie Slackman. 